She's uh, quite an extraordinary character. She comes in here every single day at five o'clock and has a few Chardonnays and um, we have to cut her off every single day. Really? <laughs> She's 90. Gee whiz. That's probably what's <laughs> keeping her going, to be honest. Good to go? Yeah. Awesome. So. Uh, just bring that like a fist away <laughs> from your mouth. Check one, two. Check, check one, two. And uh, check one, two. Happy how that sounds? Absolutely. Awesome. Welcome to another episode of the Drinks with Jackson podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jackson. And today uh, we've made the trip to uh, Castlemaine to Shed Shaker Brewing. Uh, and joining me is Andrew Cronin and Doug Falconer. How are we, men? Great. We're pretty good. Pretty good? Yeah. Cruising? Yep. The, right. uh, change of, it's the change of weather. It's quite dark outside. Bloody dropped a few degrees on the way here. On the way. It's a bit it's cold. It's bloody freezing, Lane. Jackson, is what you're trying to say. <laughs> yeah, and but it's beautiful inside. Well, the heaters are on. Yeah. So we and love that. Just the atmosphere, obviously. Uh, the working brewery, you may hear uh, a few bangs along the way of this. Yeah, app, hopefully no, no uh, sailor language. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing uh, the listeners aren't, you know, familiar with. Oh, okay. Yeah, but we tick the explicit box. So okay, fair we, enough. You can drop the f bomb if, <laughs> if if you wish. But um, so before we really get into things, do you mind giving the listeners a bit of a rundown as to who you are and what you do? Sure. Well, um, I'm one of the owners of the brewery. Yeah. Awesome. Um, my partner and I, my partner in life and crime, as uh, we want to say. Uh, came on board here um, with the original owner in 2016. Sure. And he's since uh, um, retired from the business, so it's just the two of us now. Nice. And um, and we uh, we came in sideways to the business. Neither of us had craft beer experience before, but uh, I've had a lot of um, business experience and, and Jacqueline has a lot of community and events uh, experience and hospitality, so between us... Um, we get the job done. Very nice. Andrew? Uh, yep, I, I just started, I guess, at the start of this year, end, oh, of, end cool. of last year I came on board. Uh, so the new head brewer. Yep. Um, uh, before that, uh, well, still involved with Cavalier uh, yep. in nice. Melbourne. So I'm a director of, of that, but I've moved out here and uh, yep. do some brewing and, uh, and yeah. Get stuff. back on the tools a little bit more. I remember at the uh, Benigo Beer Fest, you guys were posted next to each other. Correct. It's yes. quite, quite a good day, that. Yep. Beautiful weather. Better than today. Yes. But, um, Stinker. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, cool. How long were you involved or still, how long have you been involved so with from, Cavalier? From the get-go. Yep. So, brewed the first beers. And, uh, yep. And, yeah, so, yeah, that, that started off as my cousin and I just home brewing and we yeah, took that commercial. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Oh, sick. Basically got the experience through home brewing. I think that sort of answers the uh, second question, which was, uh, are there any collaborations or partnerships with the breweries or local businesses? So uh, Cavalier's obviously not that local, um, but there's definitely some sort it of feels like there. it's just down the road now, though. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're wearing a, wearing a path between the two. Definitely. No, it's good. Yeah. Are there any other sort of affiliations that you've got with any businesses? Even uh, not, with, not with other breweries um, much, although we, we're in talks with a lot of the uh, Central Victorian brewers about forming an alliance. That's been on the cards for a few years and got interrupted by COVID, but um, uh, uh, we hope to resurrect that this year. Yeah. But um, so we're on the, 
the site here in the Castlemaine Woolen Mill, which is an old industrial site that's been repurposed for um, uh, multiple businesses. And some of those businesses are incorporated into our beers. Um, the chocolate porter that I've got in front of me right now has got uh, cacao nibs from right next door at the Belgian Chocolatiers. Wow. Um, we do a uh, coffee beer, uh, a black espresso lager with um, with fresh brewed coffee from Dust Cafe House, which is next door as well. Yep. And we do a hemp beer with a local uh, organic hemp grower. Uh, that's a, a, a hemp flavoured uh, pale ale. Um, so we, we pride ourselves on collaborations with particularly businesses that wouldn't ordinarily be associated with brewing, but uh, uh, just cross our paths and, and we get on with. So yep. um, that's important to us. Now the cacao nibs, obviously from the chocolatier next door, they'd probably be a bit happy that uh, wastage has dropped a little bit well, potentially. Um, well, I'm not sure they'd be wasted otherwise, but um, <laughs> they're uh, fresh roasted and, um, and uh, they give it a beautiful... I'm just savouring the chocolatey goodness as yeah, we speak. It's the first thing uh, when you pop the uh, bottle, it was the first really thing that I smelt, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, well, the cacao nibs, because they're not sweet yet, yep. they haven't got any sugar in them yet, um, they give it a really chocolate, big chocolate that hit, aroma. hit without, without um, making the beer too sweet. Very nice. Uh, I noticed you guys celebrated the seventh birthday last month. Uh, do you mind sort of going into like a bit of the history or sort of what things have happened and changed and evolved? Obviously, there was a change of ownership or partial change of ownership along the line. Um, yeah, well, that happened all very early on. So yep. um, that's uh, ancient history now. Yeah. Uh, look, seven seven years ago, we were we were green under the gills and uh, and just sort of pushing off from the wharf. And um, if that's not mixing metaphors too badly. Uh, and, you know, it's a journey, um, this sort of thing. So you learn a lot on the way and we've uh, made mistakes and we've um, changed direction a few times. We started out as Castlemaine Brewing Company until we got a letter from Lion Nathan saying <laughs> we, own the, we own the word Castlemaine. That's crazy because yeah, it's, it's a town and you're in the town. Yeah, and they're yeah. not. <laughs> no, it's uh, – in the end they did us a favour because um, – if we'd stayed Castlemaine Brewing Company, I think it would have felt a bit too parochial. So, and that you may have been under under their shadow. Um, yeah, there was confusion already. We were getting deliveries for Forex, and we were taking phone calls from people who were complaining their beer was flat. And we'd go, "Hang on, what batch number are we talking?" They'd give us a batch number, and we'd go, "That's not one of ours. That's a Forex." Yeah. I hope there was a no return policy on the uh, orders of Forex. Well, we have great, great delight in ringing them up and saying, we've just had another complaint about your beer. Uh, Andrew, uh, what inspired you to start uh, brewing? Obviously, you mentioned uh, what, off mic, you were 17, was it? Yep. So pretty much as I was finishing up my exams or maybe just after, I uh, got my first homebrew kit yep. and uh, yeah, gave that a whirl. Um, I think it was just... Uh, a combination of the the science and the engineering kind of aspect of it that really appealed, plus yeah. drinking cheap beer. And the fact that you actually get to taste and actually enjoy what you've created, there's probably that level of satisfaction as definitely, well. Definitely. That's, That's sort of been a common theme yeah. discussed along with a lot of the other breweries. Well, you don't lose that when you, when you, when you go commercial. You, you still enjoy... 
the thrill. Like, I mean, we just bottled this this afternoon and, yeah. uh, and it's tasting great and it's a real, you know, it's a lovely feeling to know that you've created this thing and that people are going to enjoy it. I mean, people queuing up for this one. Yeah. Because it's a seasonal, so they're all waiting for it to be released. So. Yeah. Oh, and to be honest, like dark beers, porters, stouts, they're not my go-to, but after having a sip of that, I can confidently say, and it will reflect when I do the beer reviews, that it's an enjoyable brew. Um, and I think because it is around that, was it five and a half ABV? Uh, 5.3. 5.3. It's not over the top. Like a lot of those imperial stouts can go into the 10s, 11s, oh, 12s, yeah. and... Yeah. It's like a syrup almost. Yeah, that's too much. and Yeah. yeah they're, they're very enjoyable to have every so often. Just the one. Yeah. Whereas yeah. you could drink a six-pack of those and you'd be fine. Yeah, and absolutely. that obviously reflects you are a business and you need to sell volume. Well, it's the – yeah. I mean, the high-alcohol beers, we've done a few of them. And uh, they're, they're good. They have a place. Uh, yep. But it's not for someone who's going to put a six-pack away, that's for sure. That's it. Uh do you have any signature or flagship beers? So obviously this is the seasonal. Do you have anything that's you really, you know, reflects the the business to a T? Uh, it's a very good question, and like I said, I'm quite new into the into the uh, the job, and it's definitely something that I've been thinking about a lot as well. What 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 the flagship beers are here? Yeah, and I think there's, um, I think that. To me, I think the uh, the red is probably the uh, the real hero beer. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The Celtic red is um, it's my favourite beer. It's a lot of it's probably our most popular beer. Sure. Among the people who know about beer, um, you know, you regular beer drinkers like the lager and the golden ale, but the people who know about um, the possibilities of beer um, gravitate towards the red, and uh, and for good reason. It's a it's a lovely um, beer with a lot of character yep. and, and it goes well with food it goes it, um, we have it on a number of taps around the area and uh, and if the publican decides to take it off there's usually a bit of a, a mutiny uh, until it gets put back on again because yep. once once people get onto it they, they love it and they want to stay on it it also like the reds that I've tasted uh, two lads in a barrel they're in Moama they've just released an American red as well as at the beer fest, Young Henry's, they canned a 10-year anniversary. It was a barrel-aged red. And you really get those uh, deep flavours, you know, like almost a sweetness on the back end, like a brown sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chocolate. it is quite mm. smooth and enjoyable from start to finish. Mm. Um, yeah, it's never uh, – the sweetness isn't cloying or, you know, tacky. It's, uh, it's just, a, as you say, just a – a hint on the back end, and, yeah, and that's what signifies that style of beer. Yeah, and yeah. and just like Doug, it's it's definitely my uh, my favourite of the entire lineup when I first tried them all, and yeah, that was the definitely the uh, the go to. It's just that got a it's a little bit hoppier than maybe your you know your real old school kind of uh, reds. reds. So there's a little bit more interest there, but I think the uh, yeah the malt is what it's all about in that beer. No, but very good. Yeah, I think it's great. Sweet. Uh, this probably sort of ties in with the affiliation of small bi- uh, small businesses around town. But uh, how has the approach to uh, recipe development and experimentation changed over the last ten years for you guys? Um, <clears throat> look, it, it 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 changes slowly, and you sort of don't really 
know how it's changing until you look back on it. Um, uh, the, the head brewer that was here from get, the get-go until Andrew took over the end of last year uh, was... Um, he liked to perfect a style and then stick with it. He wasn't particularly experimental, uh, which suited us to a T. We, we wanted to do that as well because, I don't know, there, there are a lot of breweries where they're bringing out a new brew every week and... Execution's It all there. just gets... Well, it's confusing, I think. It's almost like they're, they're worried that they'll um, disappoint people if they don't bring out some gee whiz thing. And, of course, you know, the temptation then is to put all sorts of wacky stuff in the beer and make it... Sure. ...make it uh, unusual and you know different and and strange and that's not our style at all we we want to um make good beer that that lasts the test of time so um um experimentation we'd we'd have an idea every now and again and we'd give it a whirl and if it's stuck we'd keep with it we've done saisons we've done quakes we've done fruit beers we've done the odd thing but mostly we stick with the ones that we know work um, in the tap room here, our, our clientele is not particularly sophisticated in terms of craft beer drinking, so they don't like to be scared too much by things. Um, so most of our um, our styles are, are traditional-ish. Cool. With a bit of a twist, usually. We like to give them a little tweak uh, yep. to bring them into the modern era, and then um, yeah, we float them out. But... Um, Look, we're not scared of experimentation. We just think it's it's got its place, and we um, it should be towards bringing in styles that are going to last. That's it, and not not fads. Yeah, so good. Does the uh, brewery adopt any sustainability or eco-friendly uh, practices? I think that's sort of the thing that's in at the moment, isn't it? Well, it should be in all the all time. All the time, yeah. <laughs> especially like plastics. We, that yeah. seems to be a massive thing at the moment. Unfortunately, plastics are a bane, a bane of the industry and, yep. um, you know, everything that arrives here is wrapped in plastic. Uh, we store it. Uh, we had an arrangement with someone to take our plastic waste uh, before COVID and then during COVID and, of course, with the recycling crisis now and red cycle going under and um, it's very hard to uh, get rid of soft plastic waste dis- um, responsibly. So we're stockpiling it and our storage is... <laughs> Chock a, chock a block with it. So yeah. if you hear of any outlets for soft plastic, you let me know. I'll, I think I heard on Joe Rogan that they've found a mushroom that's been able to break down plastics. So I right. don't know what sort of Because Joe Rogan's or... where you hear about that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you hear a lot of shit on that podcast. <laughs> some interesting, some a bit wacky, but uh, yeah, yeah I, I've sort of, I don't know why that's sort of come into mind then. <laughs> we also um, recycle a lot of our... Um, uh, cardboard because yep. we um, um, flatten our boxes and reuse them. Sure. Uh, we reuse our, a lot of our carriers. Um, uh, they are quite hardy, the way that they are sort of made. Well, they have to flimsy. be to, yeah. to so, carry bottles and um, yeah. and there's no problem at all with using them two or even three times. That's it. Oh, very nice. What about uh, Cavalier? Obviously, being a director, is there any sort of... Uh, not so much. Not so much? No, I think... Um, like we, at Cavalier, wouldn't be able to store that plastic, that kind of plastic. It's, yeah. just, it's a little bit bigger. Scalability scale. yeah. makes it tough um, too. We certainly have tried very hard to get solar panels and stuff in at Cavalier, but yep. all sorts of uh, bureaucratic 
kind of compliance, uh, red, yeah, difficulties red and stuff through that. Um, well, this site actually has um, 2,000 kilowatts of solar panels. Jesus. It's um, huge. That's uh, and, uh, no joke either. On our new building, uh, which you'll hear about shortly, um, uh, there's another 200 panels going on that. So, oh, very so nice. this site's, the landlord here is very committed to uh, environmental sustainability. sustainability so uh, that's important to him and us. So most of our power comes from that. Um, I I want to put a um, wind generator on the new place as well, but uh, the, there's red tape around that. Yeah. So we'll see. Well, the fact that this area has sort of been repurposed, this industrial area has been repurposed, uh, making that shift, it's uh, quite amazing because, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago, I don't think people really cared, whereas now, like, you're repurposing the same land mm. and you're just going full tilt. To well, in some ways, the whole site's being recycled. So. Oh, 100%. Yeah, De- definitely. Uh, I noticed on your socials you're quite engaged in the community. Uh, what role does the community play in the brewery uh, and how do you engage with them? Um, yes, look, both Jacqueline and I are very committed to uh, community um, engagement. Yep. Uh, we sponsor a lot of uh, community events. We hold a lot of them here in the tap room. Just the other night we had Pride Pub Sing, a uh, big choir for um, Pride Week. We have um, author talks and stuff. We go and run bars for um, community groups and donate all the money that is raised. We, um, yeah, in some ways we're very deeply embedded in the community yeah. and uh, and uh, they respond. They kept us alive during COVID, really. Um, we couldn't trade here, of course, so we, we went to farmers markets and did a lot of um, sales in the community and pe- people were supporting us and kept us going. Yeah. So it works both ways. So good. Uh, could you share any upcoming or special events that beer enthusiasts should look for Ooh. and look for you? Well, we're going to be we're part of Pine of Origin um, at the local tap house this, starting this week. So the day tripping uh, uh, segment, I think is what they're calling it, 90 yep. minutes out of Melbourne. So, yep. uh, uh, yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll have a few. So that's our... all part of Good Beer Week. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then later in the year, we're part of uh, Bendigo on the Hop, which is a, a one day beer festival in, in Bendigo. What, what date's that? Just to time uh, stamp this episode, it is the 9th of May. Yeah. Um, and it will be out on the ba, 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 20th. Mm. So it'll be around then, potentially. So, um, no, the Bendigo on the Hop's in August, I believe. Ah, awesome. Yeah, so when the weather starts to warm up a bit. Yep. Um, uh, we do Bendigo, Ballarat beer festivals. We, do, um, we don't do gabs. We did a couple of years and it just feels like it was getting a bit out of... Mm. It's a lot. It's, it's, it's a well, too much going Well, that's where you go on. to have a few fat beers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it just didn't feel like it suited us anymore. Yep. Um, and then in in the warmer months, you know, we we uh, get out and about at um, at beer festivals, but also at um, farmers markets and that sort of thing. So, yep. Keep your eye out for us there. Ah, oh, very nice. Uh, what challenges has the brewery faced? Probably COVID, obviously. But are there any others, and how would you potentially overcome those, or how did you overcome them? Um, the big challenge is selling beer. Well, selling beer, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, selling beer at a profit. Yeah. <laughs> because um, making craft beer is expensive. It's, it's uh, you know, the ingredients are expensive, the power's expensive, the water, everything. 
is expensive and um, and it's not easy to make money out of this industry. You you really do need a tap room. You yep. need to be able to sell your own beer at retail, otherwise you're 100%. stuffed. Yeah. Yep. Um, Podcast I released yesterday with Wildlife. They the one of their challenges was grain, and you know, it changing, not mm-hmm. being able to source the same ingredients as you were six months ago. Well, that's true. Um, uh, see, I don't consider that a challenge. That's just part of the business. Yeah. Um, sourcing ingredients and and trying to maintain consistency is one of the one of the. It's just so it's so normal. It's not really a challenge. It's just uh, how it is. Um, and then, of course, lately we've had some major price increases of all our uh, inputs, and uh, to then try and turn, you know, incorporate those, absorb them, and not put our own prices up is tricky. So, um, yeah, that's a that's a continual challenge is to is to balance the books and uh, and pay everybody and and make it all work COVID, of course was you know ridiculous it's, it's it was um life-changing drama from the get-go but the breweries were kind of a bit lucky because you could keep producing you were deemed essential yeah yeah somebody said yep. beer is essential well, we love that outside of i think alcoholism and is it benzodiazepines yeah, yeah. opioids uh people who stop completely can die so I think that's well, uh, to some extent how so, it got through. So people don't don't, don't stop. <laughs> uh, so talking obviously pre and post, have you found uh, many trends change? Like, have there been any changes in trends as far as you know beers or you consumers or the market itself? Uh, I don't know if that. I'm not sure if there's huge ones pre and post COVID or necessarily as a result of COVID. Sure. Um, uh, Well, the the big trends, trends come and go in craft beer, same as everything else, you know. In in wine, Chardonnay comes and goes and and Savvy Savvy B comes and goes. um, But in in beer, you know, hazy pale ales are huge now, but regular American pale ales, not so much. Sour beers are all a rage now. They weren't few years ago and they probably won't be in another few years um so d- trends do come and go and th- and you'd be crazy not to at least consider getting on board with it we do a hazy now as well yeah i noticed that we had a cloudy before um yeah was it more of a fruit bomb yeah yeah, yeah. it's a very much a, a pacific ale style galaxy driven thing yeah um and that was doing that job for a while but then people want real chunk in their beer now so you give them a chunky fruit bomb instead of just a clear fruit bomb. So. Yeah. Um, Something thick. But it's also yeah. a great beer. You know, it's a great beer, particularly in the warmer weather. So it, it's, it's a no-brainer to put one of those on. I think um, definitely trending more towards uh, lower alcohol and kind of mid-strength beers, I think. Responsible drinking. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's um, – people are looking for, yeah, a, a lower ABV beer to – yeah, so, so they can have, have a session and, yeah. and not worry about Mr. Plod. Yeah, well, that's it. Like, most breweries are in industrial areas because that's the type of business that it is. So they're generally out of town. All those that want to drive and do a day trip, they want to drive to yep. and from safely, mm. I guess. Um, yeah. 
What so we hadn't done a mid-strength till Andrew came on. Oh, board. really? No. no. Yeah, so well. uh, I think that's... That's um, the XPA, the three and a half percent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, what advice would you give to home brewers or aspiring brewery owners? Uh, well, for home brewers, yeah. I would say... Uh, Keep it as a hobby? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. There's, it, uh, it's a hard, hard work to, to be brewing and... and you know, getting your beers out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think just you just brew as much as you can and uh, as many different things uh, to, to yeah. get an appreciation of all the different styles and beers and flavours that are out there. And then that, that all just starts to inform your entire idea about beer, how to, and, you know, recipe development and how you, how you create these beers and what works. And, yeah, you're going to make a lot of bad beer, but it's all... Part of the journey. That's it. Um, and for someone who's thinking about starting a brewery, obviously you need to know what you're doing because um, uh, there's a lot of home brewers make the change and start and take it upstairs and start brewing larger volumes and in the expectation because they love the beer that everyone else will as well and that they'll be able to make money out of it. And it ain't easy. It's not um, a license to print money unless you've already got so much money, you know. You, it's, you turn it into a, um, a bank interest situation. Um, so, yeah, learn as much as you can about the beer, learn as much as you can about the industry, and then if you still feel like you want to do it, do it, but understand that it's a, a lot of work and you don't make a lot of money. So make sure you've got clear ideas about what, what's going to happen. Yeah, Awesome. Uh, are there any exciting projects or expansions in the pipeline for the brewery? Yes. Short, <laughs> short answer, yes. Next question. Yes. <laughs> so we're about to move over to the other side. The larger you, building? The larger building. So we're going to have a new brewery there, new tap room, new everything. It's going to be uh, very exciting. Yeah. So it's, it's two and a half times bigger than the current setup Yep. in both brewing and um, hospitality spaces uh, sense um, so it's a it's a major expansion and yeah. um, and we get to not start again the lucky thing is that we get to start with a whole new kit and a whole new uh, approach but and some more ideas of what not to do with yeah and and with an existing business and existing customers and and uh, existing market share so uh, it's a really exciting thing to do it's also dead scary because We've got to borrow a lot of money. And, oh, that's it. And between agreeing to borrow the money and borrowing the money, interest rates went up shitloads. Yeah. So, yeah, the maths is different now. Yeah. Even just going around in circles, you just don't want to be sort of barely scraping by either and just paying your staff, paying the creditors, and then, oh, shit, we need to make more beer and, no. oh, fuck, you know. No, you've got to, you've got to have no it money solid. left. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, obviously, we're slowly getting to the back end of it all. Uh, could you describe the overall experience that visitors can expect when they come to the brewery? Good beer, good pizza, live music. Yeah. Um, just a good, a good vibe. There's a good vibe in this place. It, it's, it's, um, I definitely sense that sitting and, down here. And just a, a really friendly vibe too, I think. Yeah. Is, yeah. When, when people, you know, you get a few, uh, probably I think even this afternoon we'll, we'll have a decent 
draw a crowd on a Tuesday, yeah. doing a great effort as a, as a country town to do that. Yeah, yeah look, it's not easy getting, getting a crowd midweek. Um, yep. We've put on Mexican food now on Tuesday, Wednesday to, um, to uh, try and mix it up a bit so that people are... I don't know how anyone could ever get tired of our pizza, but it's possible apparently. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we've put on Mexican on Tuesday, Wednesday, and that's been going really, really well. Yep. Um, it's very popular. Awesome. So we also have um, other events midweek. Um, we have book author talks and we have um, art exhibitions. I was going to say, there's a fair bit of art yeah. on the walls. Yeah, well, it's swapping over today, actually. Uh, an exhibition came down this morning and another one's going up this afternoon if they ever get here. Yeah. Um, this, this one that's going up is incredible. It's um, Mary Flegg is, uh, was J.R.R. Tolkien's preferred illustrator for Lord of the Rings when he, when he wrote it. And um, she's uh, quite an extraordinary character. She comes in here every single day at five o'clock and has a few Chardonnays and um, we have to cut her off every single day. Really? <laughs> she's 90. Gee whiz. That's probably what's <laughs> keeping her going, to be it probably honest. probably is. We, we have regular meetings with her medical support team and, and the, the agreement, the agreement <laughs> is that GP. we don't cut her off. <laughs> we don't cut her off because... Uh, uh, that would be more dangerous than It'd be giving us something to look forward to as well at yeah. five o'clock. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Awesome. We're her, we're her family. Yeah. Where uh, could listeners hear or see more of you guys as far as social media or what are your tags? Um, well, Castlemaine Taproom is our um, Facebook and then Shed Shaker Brewing in, on Instagram. Um, we... We probably use social media a little less than we should, yep. but a little more than we have time for. So it's a um, difficult thing to actually find the time and remember to take the photos and videos and sit down and write the copy and all that sort of stuff. It's actually sort of not core business, So, uh, but it increasingly these days is core business, so you have to take care of it. Yep. So, um, yeah, just uh, if you search Shed Shaker Brewing, you'll find it. Yep. Um, and you're located uh, 9 Walker Street? 9 Walker Street in the old Castlemaine Woolen Mill, yep. which is right near the Botanic Gardens. And um, there's 40 businesses here on site. That's incredible. It's a whole day's outing because there's Vintage Bazaar, there's, there's Austrian Coffee House, Belgian Chocolate, Sourdough Bakery, um, German Small Goods, Winery, that's and that's incredible. just the food and bev. And then there's... Um, all the artist studios and yep. uh, and the vintage bazaar. So, so it's a it's a full day's outing. And it's um, well worth the trip. Awesome. Well, thanks, Doug. Thanks, Andrew, for joining me. You're um, welcome. Yeah, not a problem. Great chat. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks. See ya. Bye.